Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The rumors and nastiness about her. The rumors and nastiness about her. The husband. When I go there with the husband. Welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. That was a clip from this week's episode of The Real House of Salt Lake City, which was one of the most bonkers episodes of television I've ever seen in my entire life. Of course, we've been waiting for Meredith, uh, her moment at the dinner table when they're on this cast trip, for her to be going after Angie Kay and slurring all the words. We had seen that in the trailers and the upcoming attractions for the show for weeks now, and it delivered. Even though my expectations were sky high to the heavens, it still delivered. I mean, Meredith Marks telling the waiter to get Angie K off the table because she said she was host. She said, I'm hosting and she's not invited. I'm the host. I need security. Security, get her out of here, security. And this waiter, Chad, was just like, what the fuck? Who's this woman slurring at me? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? What the fuck am I supposed to do? He's ready to serve them some canapes. He's not there to uh, be security and escort somebody out of the cast trip. I mean, he's like probably thinking one of the producers can do that. I'm not here for that. I'm just here to serve you your espresso martinis, which they were having too many. Too many espresso martinis, particularly for Heather Gay. I don't know if she was puking in the Sprinter van or pissing her pants. I'm not sure what was going on in that Sprinter van, but the Real House of Salt Lake City, they do their best work in a Sprinter van, whether it's one of the cast members getting arrested by Homeland Security or Whitney Wild Rose having the fucking chills on the Sprinter van. They do their best work there. Lisa Barlow just calling the lawyers. Remember, she was <laughs> calling seven lawyers one time in a Sprinter van. So anytime I see that Sprinter van on the Real House of Salt Lake City, my ears are perked. And not only that, we also had uh, Mary Cosby, who's just delivering laugh after laugh after laugh this episode. She also was going after Whitney Wild Rose on that Sprinter van because she hates Whitney. She despises Whitney Wild Rose. And I love it when Mary Cosby goes up against Whitney Wild Rose. And so on the Sprinter van, she was confronting her and she was saying, you called me. She was saying the word pornographic. She said, you called me pornographic. She couldn't think of the word. And I do believe that Mary keeps it all in the vault. So although the, she didn't remember in the moment the exact word she was looking for of what Whitney allegedly called her in some press or something. I don't know where it was that Whitney said this word. Mary remembered it. So she didn't remember the exact word, which ultimately was the word predator, because Heather Gay finally perked up from pissing her pants on that Sprinter van and was able to give Mary the correct information. But Mary keeps a lot in the vault. So she might not remember the specifics, but she remembers the overall thing. She remembers that all too well. So she was coming after Whitney Wild Rose for what she said in the press, and she remembered that all too well. I remember it all too well. Little girl. <laughs> Little girl. She remembered that all too well. So they had a moment on the Sprint event. Oh, so much to talk about. And then the Real House of Orange County also 
delivered what I think was an A-plus episode, their penultimate of the season, an A-plus episode, as if that wasn't already enough for all of us to deal with. I hope you're somewhere safe. I hope you closed the door, locked out your family, your kids uh, to listen to this podcast because there is so much to discuss, so much. So get to a quiet place. Get to your quiet place. Send the kids off to a babysitter or drop them off on the corner, whatever you got to do, because we have a lot to discuss because not only do we have those episodes, we also have this business with Shannon Bedore. Shannon Storms Bedore. She got in trouble with the law. Now, here's what happened. Let's go through this first, and then we'll get to the recapping. But Shannon Storms Bedore, it was announced on the 18th by TMZ that the star of The Real House of Orange County, Shannon Bedore, was arrested for a DUI, a hit and run, and it said she struck a house in Newport Beach. Now, when this news came out, I read the TMZ article, and I'm going to read just a couple of brief moments of it for you all on this podcast in case you're not aware. Uh, But on the 18th, it was reported, and everything's alleged. I don't want to get in trouble here. So this is alleged from TMZ. Shannon uh, Bedore, uh, it says, law enforcement sources tell TMZ the Real House of Orange County star drove her car onto a residential property in Newport Beach Saturday night and actually clipped the house. So it says she clipped the house while driving. And I naively thought, this is a tabloid. This is coming from TMZ. I thought they're going to exaggerate everything. And when they use the word that she clipped the house, said she clipped the house, I don't know about you all, but I thought that's an exaggeration. I was like, I bet she just barely like tapped a mailbox or something, right? That's where my head went because I just thought they were exaggerating. Then a couple days later, the footage comes out. The footage comes out and you guys, I was shocked. I was stunned. Did everyone see this footage? If you haven't, please pause this podcast. Go find it somewhere. It's on the internet. And Shannon storms the door, is driving this car, and you see her on some sort of ring camera footage, or you don't even see her behind the wheel, but you see the car. And it, like, rides around the corner like we're in watching Fast and the Furious, like it's Vin Diesel in a car with some nitrous oxide, because she's curving around that corner, and then she doesn't just clip the house. I mean, she really, like, runs into the house with the car. And then she just drives off as if nothing happened. So this wasn't just like a very calm clip of the house. This was like she drove into the fucking house and then just drove off. And then, okay, TMZ reports, we're told Bedore then, this is crazy, then turned back onto the road and kept going before parking her vehicle in the middle of the street and getting out. (sighs) Pains me to say this next part of the sentence. And then getting out of the car with her dog. Now, her dog, Archie, was in the car. I don't understand why she was driving with Archie at night, particularly when she's under the influence. And this is completely, obviously, unacceptable. I don't have to tell you all the moral. I don't need to be the moral police on this show. Luckily, everyone is safe and healthy, and it hasn't been reported that anyone was injured, whether it be the person that was in that fucking house that she more than clipped or Archie the dog. Uh, but it is crazy to me that she just then kept driving and then got out of the car. And then TMZ reports, our sources say she tried to act like she was taking a walk when police arrived after receiving a 911 call. Uh, TMZ reports were told she wasn't fooling anyone as she appeared wasted and was taken into custody. So let's just break this down for a second. She parks the car and she gets out. Police come and she just pretends she's walking the dog, Archie. Reportedly, somebody of authority came up to her and she's just wasted walking the dog. And imagine her just being like, well, I don't know who did that. Like, <laughs> like imagine her. The car's uh, half apart now on the middle of the street 
after she just clipped the house. And of course, you can't do that kind of shit now with ring cameras. Everything's on tape. Everyone's got the cameras all over their houses. And so everything's going to be on tape. And so she ran into the house and then just acted like, what did she tell the police? I mean, I wish we had the footage of that because I just want to see Shannon Bedore telling an authority figure, like, who did that? Like, whose car is that? It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Like, what? (laughs) It's the craziest fucking thing. Now, again, we do hope everyone, or we seems to be that everyone is safe and healthy and good. And we hope that Shannon Storms Bedore gets the help that she needs. And I think it was reported that she's maybe going to some sort of counseling or something unclear. But I do hope that everything works out and she gets the help she needs. And I'm sure she realized this was a big mistake. And most importantly, I have to say that I'm upset about the dog. I mean, don't put, you should not be drinking and driving in general, especially in the era of rideshare cars. It's so easy to get the fucking Uber or Lyft or whatever. But in particular, like, don't take your dogs. Don't put Archie in the middle of this. I mean, just not okay. Not okay. Anyway, a lot going on in the world of Bravo. Should we get back to the Real House of Salt Lake City? Shall we uh, start talking about that again? The rumors, the nastiness about the her. The rumors, the nastiness about her. She, when Meredith just kept saying, get her away from the table. I mean, it was just all so, all so good. They need to send some more cast over to the Trixie Motel. I just want to see everybody at that fucking pink motel grounds, because now that's my new favorite place on the show. Forget the Jersey Shore in Jersey. Let's send them all to the Trixie Motel. Because here's what's so fun about that Trixie Motel. Not only is it fun to look at, it's so colorful and vibrant on screen, but also they're secluded from the rest of the world. So it's just these gals in this motel grounds. I mean, there was one moment at the beginning of the episode where I think Angie Kay and Whitney Wild Rose were sitting out by the pool talking, and then Meredith's trying to go from her room to the Heather Gay's room. And Everyone's just staring at Meredith walk to the room because nobody else is there. It's like production and the cast. So nobody can hide from anything. I thought Meredith was actually going to like a group restroom because I don't know if you all felt this, but when I was seeing the grounds, not that I didn't think that the rooms are nice enough to have bathrooms, but I did feel when Meredith was leaving that room and she was going to Heather Gaze, I was like, oh, is she going to the group bathroom? Like instinctively, it just felt like a dormitory situation. And so what I mean by that is just that the grounds of the Trixie Motel are actually perfect for reality TV, and I need everybody to go film there. And maybe they should get, I don't want to give Trixie business advice, because uh, Trixie knows better than I do. That place is a success. But I would like it if maybe we did take out the bathrooms, if we're going to film more housewives there, and then do like a community bathroom, so that anytime any of the gals need to do any, then we have more group talking. So it's like we could get the gals talking in the mirror while they're getting ready, and they only have the one community bathroom to go into. I would like that. I would like that. But I love this Trixie Motel. Get ever get Splits Richards over there. We need Bamboozle Jane from the Real House of Beverly Hills. We need her to check into that motel. Now, I do believe that Mary Cosby, if she would have known that they were going to do a cast trip at something uh, that was motel-related, I don't know that Mary Cosby would have rejoined the cast. I think if somebody would have told her on production, like, hey, the cast trip, the first one, is going to be to a motel. I mean, if Mary Cosby knew what a motel was, because I'm not sure that she does exactly understand what a motel is. Because Mary Cosby, she's sleeping in a church or a million-dollar house. She's not sleeping in something called a motel, usually, traditionally. And so maybe she doesn't know exactly what a motel is, which it does seem. She does keep saying this episode. She's like, what's a Trixie? (laughs) 
what's a Trixie? She's like, what's Angie? What's a Trixie? I mean, she's learning words for the first time. It's like she's a giraffe coming out of a womb, a baby giraffe trying to walk for the first time. It's like Mary's looking around. She's like, what's a motel? Who the fuck is Angie Kay? Like she's not, she's living in a different world. She's living in that closet of hers and then her church, like that's where she's coming from. So she's not necessarily well-versed in what's going around uh, on around her in the world. So who the fuck's Angie Kay? She wasn't in last season. So Mary don't know who the fuck Angie Kay is. She's like, who's this new, is that, she's probably thinking, is that Jen Shaw? And then I also have to say, we talked about this last week on the show, but Angie Kay was revealed that she was the class clown. Heather Gay said she was voted funniest person in the graduating class. And still, another week goes by, and I'm just looking for one, for her to tell me one thing that's funny, Angie Kay. Tell me one fucking joke, or make me smile or laugh. She's seemingly humorless. And so I just, I'm not understanding it. I'm not understanding it. Anyway, this week we open with the gals again getting to the Trixie Motel. We see a little tour, Trixie leaves, and then this is when everyone finds out that Angie Kay is there. And Whitney's being so messy, but Whitney's always been messy. She's always stirring that pot, and she does it in a very obvious way. And it's okay with me sometimes. This was okay with me because this episode was so perfect. But sometimes I think Whitney needs to learn how to stir the pot with like a little bit better poker face. Because as it stands, Whitney's like, yeah, I invited Angie Kay, and she wasn't exactly invited, and I brought her anyway, and then I arrived to this motel first. And so she's doing all the messy things, but I don't know, it feels sometimes acting-y to me. And so I'm not saying that she should stop doing it. I'm just saying maybe she needs to take an improv class or something. You know, like, let's get her signed up at uh, some sort of uh, class some sort of um, acting studio or something. I'm not sure. There's got to be somewhere she could sign up for just a quick little improv 101 class, groundlings or something, figure it out. But it would be helpful, I think, because sometimes it just feels clunky when she's stirring that pot. It feels a little clunky. I mean, this whole this whole franchise feels a little clunky, <laughs> but it's like in the best way. It's so bonkers. Everything that happens, sometimes it feels like I'm watching a Looney Tunes episode. Like, that's what this show is. Like, who are these? They're cartoon characters almost. And it's so fucking good. I really think this episode was like one of the best of all time. And Orange County was so good. I'm like, we are in a really good place here. In a really, really good place. Um, anyway, while I mentioned Meredith slinking out of that motel room to go talk to Heather Gay. And uh, although I did think she was going to a group bathroom. She went to Heather Gay's room and she was wearing like Muppet fur and no one acknowledged her when she walked. And I was like, why didn't anyone say hi? But I guess cause it's like a weird, it's a weird, again, a weird grounds. It's a small place. There's not a lot of people. And they did just see each other. And then Meredith went into her motel room and then she exited probably like less than an hour later. And so it is a little awkward for them to talk to her again, but it felt more awkward that she was then walking over to Heather Gay's room. And then Meredith and Heather Gay talk about Angie. And Meredith says, she's like, I'm fine about it. I don't even know how to do a Meredith impression. I want to do a Meredith impression, but it's like half the words are slurred, half of them come in an English accent, half of them in a, in a Southern accent, half in a Spanish accent, half Italian. It's like they're all coming out different ways, different loop. A lot of people online are saying she talks in cursive, and she does. It's like, I, the rumors, the nastiness. And it's like, <laughs> you just never know what you're going to get. Oh, I love it. I love it. Meanwhile, outside by the pool, Mary does go outside to talk to Angie Kay and Whitney Wild Rose. And Angie Kay is actually trying to be nice in this moment. She's like, Mary, come over, sit with us. Like, there's plenty of spot right by us. And Mary's like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) 
Stop it. I'm not doing that. And then Mary continues to sit about 10 feet away and shout at Whitney Wildrose that she's childish. And it's so fucking good. Mary and Angie Kay are actually the perfect comedic duo. I know Mary was confronting Whitney, but I would like to see Mary and Angie Kay. I mean, really, Mary paired with anyone. Later in the episode, she was paired with um, the new gal, and they were out shopping. And I was like, I'd watch a whole fucking hour of this. I'd watch a whole hour of Monica and uh, Mary just shopping for clothes in a Palm Springs market. Just please let me see it. So for the day, though, this is their first day at the Tertsey Motel, I believe. Meredith tells all of the women that they're going to be going out shopping. And Meredith tells all the gals this while she's wearing heels and her bubbies out in a sheer robe. I was like, what the fuck is this outfit? <laughs> what the fuck is this outfit? And Mer- uh, Meredith wears some crazy outfits on this show, and I love her for it. But this one in particular, it was like high heels by the pool, or like wedge heels or something. I'm not sure exactly what they call them. But like a wedge heel and then a sheer robe with like the bathing suit underneath. Like she was ready for the pool. And then she says, oh, we're going to be shopping in Palm Springs. And I know Palm Springs is pretty casual. So even Lisa later in the episode was so worried about going to the restaurant. I was like, you're in Palm Springs. Like, it's fine. People roll out. It's a gay town. You know, it's filled with the gays. And us gays, it's like people are wearing all sorts of different stuff. Sometimes the gays feel like putting on a whole... Uh, outfit with the rouge and lipstick. And then other times gays feel like uh, falling out of the pool and then going to the restaurant and their thong. It doesn't matter. It's just like whatever is happening that day is happening that day. No rules in Palm Springs is what I'm trying to say. And so um, even though Lisa was upset about it at the restaurant, I was like, Lisa, you're fine. However, I was worried about Meredith going to town in that outfit with the heels and the sheer the sheer cover up. I mean, it was a crazy. It was <laughs> and the bubby, the bubby's out. Did we ever get any clarity about that breastplate she was wearing in the couple seasons ago? Remember the, in one of the confessionals, Meredith was, people were thinking she was wearing a breastplate. And then I don't know if Andy ever asked it at the arena. I don't think we ever got answers to that. Did we? Did we figure it out? Did legal figure it out? Or were they focused on the other crimes of Jen Shaw? I don't know. I don't know. But I would like some answers. Was it a breastplate? I don't know. Um, then Meredith gives everyone gift bags. She gives gift bags, just like Heather DeBro did on The Real House of Orange County. Remember, she gave everyone those baskets full of junk. So now Meredith is giving people baskets full of junk on this girl's trip. And she doesn't have anything for Angie K because Angie K was invited. She popped up out of nowhere. And so Meredith's like, I don't got nothing for you. She just gives everyone else. Um, then Meredith's like, we got a fun trap shopping trip planned. We're going to pair off in different duos. And it's about trust. So we're going to get each other clothes. And Mary's like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and then we see Mary and um, Monica. They're the ones who are paired up. And when they were shopping together, again, the funniest thing I've ever seen, Mary is like, I'm going to pick out outfits for both of us because I don't trust your clothing. I'm not, I don't trust anything that you're wearing or anything that you'll put, pick out for me. Then let's see, we have everybody else is paired off except for Angie. Angie, who says in the episode, she's like, I deserve to be here as much as anybody else. And I was like, why do you? Why? Because you were cast on the show, I guess. But then it's like a normal trip. You you don't just deserve to be on a girl's trip. It's like whoever's throwing the trip might not want to invite you. So you don't necessarily deserve to be on the girl's trip. But I guess go off, sister. And then um, let's see. Everybody else is picking out clothes for each other. And some of these outfits are just insane. And again, these are the outfits that the gals have to wear to dinner. So they're picking out for each other. And really, I think it's mean, really. um, Because what they end up looking like is just so insane. And 
I think if it wasn't all of them, then we might be able to really like laser focus on one of the outfits. But they really did all look crazy. Lisa was the only one who's upset about it because she looked like if John Travolta in Wild Hogs was also a belly dancer. So she was taking the brunt of it, but they all looked insane. Whitney was dressed like a slutty lab tech. Heather was dressed like Sheila E. Uh, in a bedazzled hat. And then Angie, again, just dressed herself. I mean, they looked fucking nuts. They look fucking nuts. And then they're all just sitting at dinner in those fucking outfits. And I was like, what? What a funny theme. That's another thing I would like them to take on to the other franchises. Like, let's let them dress each other. Like, that's a perfect thing. Whatever producer came up with that bit, bravo. Give them a raise. Because I want to see that in every fucking franchise. I think we've seen other times where they do the party. I think Orange County did this this season where they dressed up as each other. But see, normally they have time to prep and plan and prepare. But in this franchise, it was like, we're going to the city. We're going into the shops of Palm Springs. And we're going to pick out some batshit outfits. And then you got to wear them like we're going to try them on and then wear them the rest of the day. So they don't have time to get out of these outfits. And that's what made it. That's what made it really great. Then when they arrive at the dinner, they're, of course, all drinking these espresso martinis, which if I would have had as many espresso martinis as Heather Gay did, my heart would stop. I would, it would just stop. My heart would be like, I'm done. Like that. <laughs> I've had enough. And then it would leave the table because there's no way I can't even do one espresso martini. The idea even drinking one espresso martini, unless it was 11 a.m. or 10 a.m., like a brunch situation, there's no drinking of an espresso martini for me because if I have coffee after 3 p.m., forget it. I'm twirling out of this room like a Tasmanian devil because I can't do the caffeine like that. And so when I'm seeing Heather Gay being like, bring me another, I'm like, you're having more than one espresso martini? Like, what? What? What is going on? She's just drinking them. I mean, that's what she was, I guess, again, maybe puking and or pissing her pants in that Sprinter van. I couldn't quite tell. Did we get eyes and ears in that? Where was the liquid coming from, Heather Gay? I mean, I sort of had to turn my eyes because it was like, the last thing I need to see is someone's bile on screen. They kept showing it. I'm like, I don't need to see the liquid coming out of Heather Gay. And so I couldn't exactly get my head wrapped around what end it was coming out of. But it was definitely coming out of some end and it was on camera. And so maybe it was too many espresso martinis, Heather Gay. You got to put those back. Send them back. Tell Chad, the security, a.k.a. slash waiter. (laughs) Tell poor Chad, waiter slash security at this restaurant uh, in Palm Springs, that poor young gay man, I'm assuming, he uh, just couldn't get a break. And so he was having to serve a million espresso martinis. And then the other gals are telling him, get that person out of here. And he's like, this is too much for my job. I hope they tipped him well. Bravo. Did you send that Chad a tip? Because he's working hard that night. He's probably getting home sweating. Tell his his boyfriend that night, he's like, "Uh, you will have no idea what I had to deal with. You know, I had to deal with the Meredith Marks yelling at me. <laughs> Meredith Marks telling me to get Ange K away from the table. Get her away from the table. I'm hosting this night, and she is not welcome. I'm the host. She just kept telling Chad she was the host. It's like, it doesn't matter that you're the host. Unless you're the owner of the restaurant. Like, host doesn't matter to the, the place you're at. Do you think any of the manager at the restaurant cares that like Meredith is the one hosting the cast trip? Like he don't give a fuck. He's just trying to serve his, I don't know what kind of restaurant this is, but he's just trying to serve the plates of food and get these gals out of there. And so the fact that she's just telling them, I'm the host. You got to get her out. I'm the host. You want me to talk about the husband? 
the rumors about the husband? I want to get her out. I'm the host. <laughs> like, who the fuck cares that you're the host? But she was, Meredith was so drunk. She was really drunk. And I, I, I don't want to, I don't, I should zip my mouth. It was probably just alcohol. Although I will say that, you know, we talk about uh, Dorinda Medley slurring on The Real Houses in New York, and I've always felt like Dorinda's slurring was very clearly martini slurring, right? Like, I never imagined, even when there were accusations on The Real Houses in New York about other substances, for the most part, I think, like, when we saw Dorinda slurring and, like, giving Luann a speech on the boat about marrying Tom, and she's like, there comes the time in your life when you're, you know, she's just slurring and you can't really make it out. To me, that was always very clearly martini slurring. Because then usually Dorinda would like go to bed. She would just be like, I'm out. I'm taking my nap. And this felt like a different kind of slurring. So I'm not saying one way or another. And uh, I'm not saying anything. But I am implying it. Okay, moving on. Let's see. Monica, do we talk? Monica. Oh, they play this game. They play this game. Whitney's like, let's play a game to get to know each other better at the dinner table. And Mary's like, no, I don't want to play that. And then... <laughs> and then uh, they all tell these facts that are the most bland facts. So Meredith's like, well, I used to come to Palm Springs to visit my grandparents. And then I, I think Whitney said something like, I like to write. I've been getting back into poetry. Lisa's like, I love that, poetry. And then Heather Gay reveals she's into birds. And it's like, everything's going pretty calm, cool, and collected. Although Mary did, Mary Cosby did let us know that she had a trouble with the bird when she was, maybe, was she a kid? I don't know. Mary said she had an African gay, gray bird. And was that African gay bird? No, they are in Palm Springs. They probably could have gotten gay bird while they were there. But Mary says she grew up or had an African gray bird who just stared at her and didn't obey her. And I wrote in my notes that I need to see this as an animated show. I need someone, Cartoon Network, or I, I, someone to pick up a show. Maybe it could be on Bravo. Bravo hasn't dipped their toe into animation quite yet. But I'd like to see an animated version of Mary Cosby as a young gal. And she's got a bird that just stares at her and would just see their adventures. Just I, I don't know what their adventures would be, but I would like to see their adventures. Mary and the Bird. Just Mary and the Bird. And, you know, I've been trying to get a children's book off the ground about cozy rodents and a pelican or something. I've been trying to figure that out, and here I am seeing a children's book right in front of me, Mary Cosby and a bird. I, come on. Nothing better. Mary Cosby. I don't know if you're listening to this podcast, but you better get a ghostwriter. Call me up, gal. Call me up, girl. I will do it. I'll write a children's book, Mary Cosby and the and the African Gray Bird. Or maybe we just go back to the original title, African Gay Bird. You know, maybe we just have Mary Cosby and some bird she got in Palm Springs. Maybe just her, them two hanging out. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but the whole thing is cracking me up because they're all just giving these uh, these very basic facts. I think the fact about Mary besides the bird was also that she's a loner and she's like, everyone thinks I'm a socialite. Which I was thinking, like, who thinks that? <laughs> I don't think any of the gals think that, do you? I mean, sure, they've alleged other things about Mary Cosby. I think one of the seasons they were saying potentially, uh, allegedly, a cult leader. I don't know. Um, but she's saying, a lot of you think I'm a socialite, and I'm not. And I was like, I don't think they think that. And then they showed a montage. Those editors threw Mary under the bus. They showed a montage of her just being alone. I was like, that's so fucking mean. <laughs> Uh, but so there are all these basic facts. And then Monica was like so bored. Monica's the new housewife. She's like, what are, we're on housewives. Like, what are you all giving these facts for? She's like, Meredith, you just, your fact was that you visited Palm Springs, your grandparents or something like, let's spice things up. So then all of a sudden Monica's like, well, I fucked my brother-in-law. I f- my f- 
brother-in-law for 18 months. Whoa. I will never get tired of that woman just saying she fucked the brother-in-law. No, she's brought it up a couple times. One time she was just shopping with Heather Gray and she's like, by the way, I fucked my brother-in-law. And now she's doing it. <laughs> now she's doing it at the dinner table. Guess what? I fucked my brother-in-law. And then meanwhile, Mary Cosby, she is in a relationship with her step-grandfather. And so her response to Monica saying that she fucked her brother-in-law or whoever it was, Mary Cosby's like, well, cheers to that. Okay, cheers to that. Okay, cheers to that. And so it's like these relationships... Whoever cast Monica on this show, though, also deserves a raise because that's what you should look for in Housewife. If That should be the first question on their interview list. The producers just say, hey, do you ever fuck your brother-in-law? And if they say yes, it's like, give them immediately an apple, an orange, a diamond. I don't fucking care. Give them whatever to hold in the opening credits because that person's a star. That's the kind of, that's the kind of talent we should be looking for. That's the kind of outreach we need to do in these neighborhoods. Uh, with these other women, uh, when we're recasting over Atlanta, people are, keep talking about the casting over in Atlanta. What are we going to do next season? And I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to send out a casting search in the newspaper or the internet, get on Google, and just say, hey, any of you fucked your brother-in-laws for 18 months? And if they say yes, if they call you up, then casting, you give them the peach. You figure it out and you give them the peach. I don't care if they are rich or if they don't have money or I don't care if they have a connection to the other gals. If they say, yes, I fucked my brother-in-law, then you say, here you go. Here's your contract. You're invited to BravoCon come this November, and we're bringing you out on stage. And that's exactly what they should do. I mean, let's stop playing the games here. That's how you do talent outreach. And so, producers, if you ever are in a spot, we've heard, I've heard interviews with producers and stuff. Sometimes they say, oh, it's so hard to cast, or it's hard to find someone for this city or that city. It's like, it's not hard to me. You just call up, uh, you do some neighborhood outreach, go to the community center, you figure out, go to the churches, the community centers, you do neighborhood outreach, and you say, hey, any of you, you know, ask the priest at your local church to ask the congregation at the end of the Mass. Just say, oh, amen, and by the way, any of you fuck your brother-in-law? Or maybe just ask the priest. They're sitting there in confession, in the Catholic religion at least. They can't speak to the others. But, you know, check in with the priest. Ask Father Wendelkin at your local uh, your local church. Say, hey, in confession, do you ever hear of any gals who are of age who have been fucking their brother-in-law for 18 months? If so, give them my name and number because they need to be on the show. I mean, just brilliant, brilliant casting for this Monica. Anyway, she, yeah, so she's bored at the dinner table. She's like, yeah, I fucked my brother-in-law for 18 months. And then they all talk about this. And it's so, it's the reactions. I think I played the clip, but Lisa's says, whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Then they do another game. Uh, Whitney brings up a game called Warm and Fuzzy and Cold and Prickly, which is such a fucking mean game. This is, again, Whitney stirring the pot. And uh, again, a spot where I could have used some more acting skills. This would have been one of those moments where it's like, Whitney, we need you to just rehearse the lines a couple more times before you exit that motel room. You know, she should have just been in front of the mirror practicing that line. I don't know. And she's uh, butting up with Angie K. The two of them should have been doing some scene work in that pink motel room. And just... I figure out how to deliver it a little more naturally because it was like, let's play another game called Warm and Fuzzy and Cold and Prickly. She's like, it's a real game. Not a real game. It's a real game. Real game. And it's such a mean game, though. In real life, I don't recommend anybody play this. Don't ever play. Unless you want everybody to fight. But who amongst us is like going to dinner with friends and is like, okay, let's go around the table and like say something nice about the person, but then say something that is awful about them. Like, it's so mean. (laughs) And then, so they're going around the table. Heather Gay tells Angie K she don't trust her. She's like, I don't trust girls who suck the biggest dick in the room. And I love that about Heather Gay, actually. 
I thought that was a very spot on thing to say. And I totally understood what she was saying. Like Angie K is sucking up to whoever she's got to suck up to. Um, they did, did they skip Mary in this game? Mary's not playing these games. She's not playing the icebreakers. Mm-mm, she's not interested. Um, but Meredith does tell Whitney that she needs to work on her communication. So even Meredith is saying like, Hey, you need to work on your acting skills. That's what Meredith was saying. She, she framed it as, I think you need to work on your communication. But what she was saying is like hop in an improv class because Meredith, I, for all her flaws, all that accent work she's doing, leads me to believe that she is in a class. I believe she's doing some sort of Meisner or uh, some sort of acting exercises here, and she's learning and growing and being an on-camera talent. And so maybe Whitney needs to sign up whatever Second City class Meredith is doing. Maybe she needs to hop on in because Meredith's obviously taking some sort of on-camera class to be delivering all these different accents. Meryl wishes. Who else delivers these kind of accents? Nobody. Nobody. I don't care you talk about uh, Meryl Streep, Viola Davis, I don't care who it is. Think of all the great actors of our time. Marlon Brando could never do what Meredith Marks is doing in this episode with all these fucking different accents. I mean, come on. So she's telling she's telling Whitney, hop in my class. Get in a Shakespeare class, something. And then Whitney does say, she's like, I'm working on that. I'm working on that. Uh, okay, so then Mary confronts Whitney Wilderose at the table about how Whitney Wilderose came early. And Whitney's like, well, I came early because Trixie's my friend, and I didn't think it was that big of a deal. She says, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And then um, they're just kind of, they're just a lot of tension between Whitney and Mary. They hate each other, hate each other. Because again, uh, Mary keeps it on the belt. She remembers it all too well. I remember it all too well. Little girl. <laughs> then uh, Monica tells Lisa uh, that she's like, look, I'm, want you to know that you keep complaining about losing the $60,000 ring. And she's like, I don't have the kind of money you do. So I'm sick of hearing about your 60K thousand ring. Stop talking about it. And then the editors show uh, Lisa saying seven different times about losing that ring. She lost that ring. Seven different times they showed it. And Monica says, she's like, I even put my bare hand in a used tampon bin to try to find that ring. Now, I'm editorializing a bit. I don't know that they were used tampons that Monica reached into, but she did put her grippers into a tampon bin, and she was looking for that ring for Lisa Barlow, and they never found it. And so I do think that Monica's right. It's like, stop talking about the ring. And then Lisa says in the confessional, she's like, when you can afford when you can afford to buy a $60,000 ring, you'll care. So shut the fuck up. And I love <laughs> I love Lisa. I love it. I love it. And Lisa kept saying to Monica in the moment, she's like, I got it. I got it. But I love this feud. I love this feud. Um, then we got to talk about these these toasts. Let's take our break here. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back. We got to talk about these toasts. Then we got to get into Orange County too, because those gals at the restaurant when they were trying to cross the the rope course to get into the restaurant dinner table at the Rainforest Cafe that they made them go to. I mean, nothing better. Nothing better. So I want to thank Acast. Find me on social media. You can pre-order my upcoming book. It's out in about a month. Called the Jolliest Bunch. I'm also going to be on tour, and San Francisco is just about sold out, so there are very limited tickets available for San Francisco, and very limited for Cleveland available, and then there are also Nashville tickets available. So get those before they sell out at everythingiconic.com. Top of the page, there's a live show link. We'll be right back. Look, the weather's getting warmer. 
You got to ditch the jackets, the sweaters, and you got to put on some shorts and tees. And if you're anything like me, you hate getting all the new stuff. But luckily, I've found Quince, and Quince makes it so easy uh, to get clothes. I used to waste my money on clothes that would only last one season. That was until I found out about Quince. Now I've got high-quality pieces that never go out of style that I'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all of the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos. Those are my personal favorite. I always love getting new polos for the summertime, and they have a fantastic selection. I'm very particular about the collar, and I love the collar on the performance polos that I got. They also have versatile flow-knit activewear, and the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes, which I love. Feel good about shopping with them. Now, again, I got those polos, but I also got some shorts, some t-shirts, just some basics that I can wear year-round. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to Quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 300 65 day returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash iconic. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was a pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. And we're back. The rumors and nastiness about her. 
we got to talk about the rumors and the nastiness about her and the husbands. We got to talk about all that because now we're at the point of the episode where they're all around this dinner table and the espresso martinis have been flowing. They're drinking like camels in the desert. They're just down in them espresso martinis and Meredith slurring more and more and more. And now she's getting confronted by Angie Kay, who she hates and she didn't invite on this trip. So they're trying to, Angie does a toast. And it really pisses off Meredith because Meredith planned this whole trip. And Angie's doing a, a toast where she shares a Greek word for fake. And then uh, she is uh, – Meredith, it sets her off because Mayor says Angie said in public that she would never be friends with her. She's like, Angie, why did you say in public? Now, they didn't show footage of this, so I don't know exactly where Angie said that she would never be friends with Meredith. But apparently she said this. And now Meredith's not interested in Angie at all. She calls her a user. She's like, you were not invited by me. You can go. You're a user. You don't want to start with me, sweetie pie. She says, sweetie pie, you know, full Chardonnay voice. And then she's like, all right, you have to check for your hour and you can go. You can go. And then Angie throws Meredith's business on the bus. She's like, you haven't sold jewelry for years. You rent your whole life. She's like, your jewelry has cobwebs. And Monica's sitting there. She's like, what the fuck? Monica, even early in the episode, confronted Angie Kay about something she said uh, about someone else, too. So Monica's turning on Angie Kay, too, despite the fact that Angie brought Monica into the group. Now, did Angie Kay actually bring Monica into the group? Certainly not. No. Producers did that. So Angie was even upset later in the episode. She said, I brought you into the group. It's like, no, you didn't, Angie. Like, she was cast. They did a nationwide search, and she was the one who responded, said she fucked the brother-in-law for 18 months. And they said, here's your snowflake. I f- my f- brother-in-law for 18 months whoa okay cheers to that cheers to that so that's how monica is in this group i'm not going to give angie k the credit but what i uh, do want to say is that i wish that angie k would have been nicer to meredith because even though this is a very loose idea the fact that meredith planned this trip we know it was production i still think that meredith has a little seniority on the show so angie was just not being nice to her and i don't think that meredith really did anything mean to angie case so i don't understand why and even the things that meredith was saying she's like you're not invited by me you're a loser like some of the things that she said were just sort of generic and now angie case going after the business she's saying got cobwebs on the jewels and you rent everything so this is when Meredith officially snapped. You can leave. You're embarrassing yourself. And Meredith goes up to the waiter. Excuse me. She needs to leave. I'm the hostess of this dinner, and she needs to leave. But this is where it gets really crazy. This is where Meredith then decides to bring in, uh, excuse the confusion, but she decides to bring in children. And she says, uh, and I directly quote, there are children who are going to be disabled for the rest of their lives. And you know what? I'm not doing it. I'm leaving. I'm going to think about the things that really matter to me. And then she gets up to leave the dinner table. Okay, who the fuck is she talking about? Who the fuck are these kids? And I want all the kids to be happy. We don't want any kids uh, to not be happy. And she's talking about them. I'm like, what children are we discussing now? I just want some eyes and ears. I need to, to get my bearings, Meredith Marks. I don't understand who are these children. I know the children of the future. Is this the children you're talking about from the Whitney Houston song? Like, who are these children that you're talking about that you want? To, I don't know. She's like, they're the things that matter in life. I mean, she's not wrong. I just want to know some specifics because I don't quite understand. But she does get up from the table. She leaves. Lisa does follow her out because now her and Lisa are good. And this is when Meredith's telling Lisa, she's like, get her the fuck out. 
She's like, I can't be around that energy. It's a disgusting energy. The accent's all over the place. Then she dry heaves into Lisa's shoulder. What was going on with Meredith Marks? What was happening there? Just, do we know? What was happening? I don't know that that was espresso martinis. Do you? I don't know. I, what was that? It was something. Maybe it was espresso martinis. I mean, because they do give you the energy. Maybe it just fogs. I don't know. I'm not sure. But it was nuts. She was dry even into Lisa Barlow. And Lisa Barlow's like, what do I do here? Like, she didn't fucking know. And she just barely made up with this woman. And now Meredith is like saying nonsensical stuff. Even at the table when she's like, oh, the children. Mary Cosby was like, who the fuck? Mary Cosby was like, well, what the fuck are you saying? Like, Mary Cosby was looking at Meredith like, you've gone fucking nuts. Like, that's what was happening. But what a great episode. I'm so grateful to Meredith Marks. God bless her. <laughs> She's an all-star housewife. Giving us so much stuff this episode. Meredith Marks, give her a raise. Give her, I'm ready to buy that cobweb jewelry. Maybe for Halloween. We can all be wearing some, it'll fit in with the Halloween theme. So let's all go buy the Meredith Marks jewelry. Let's all go buy it. Um, she's dry heaving into her friend. Lisa then sticks up a little bit for Angie because Lisa and Angie are friends. And Meredith is like staring Lisa down. Staring her down. She's like, you will not stick up for that woman. And then this is when Meredith gives that um, incredible monologue about the rumors and the nastiness. You want me to go there with husband? I can go there. Don't fuck with me. Tell her, fuck off. And she's doing that anger, the demon monologue. (laughs) And she had the demon eyes, too. She did have the demon eyes. And Lisa says, though, I don't know if this was in the confessional, but she's like, Angie, she thought Angie was the victim. And I was like, I don't think Angie's the victim here. But they do all go back to the table. Am I reading it wrong? I thought, actually, I was on Meredith's side in this argument, but maybe it's just because I do not care for Angie K. So, I don't know. Is that wrong of me? Unclear. Um, But Angie says at the table, when Meredith goes back to the table, Angie says she may not have approached Meredith in the right way. And then Meredith cries. And she says, you can go. I've had enough of you. And Lisa's like, we should all go. Like, we should all head out because we've maybe had too many espresso martinis. And you just know Chad the waiter's like, get him the fuck out. Like, I have had enough. He can't not serve one more espresso martini. He needs a break. Somebody get that man a massage. Chad, I hope he had a spa day after this. I hope he just went to a Burke Williams and just did a facial, the massage, just did it all. Just a full day's worth. Because that man, he's, he's braver than the Marines. He's one of our troops. He's one of the support the troops. And I support Chad. So get him a spa day. I don't know if someone who owns a spa out there can maybe hook Chad up. But somebody get him a massage. Uh, and not just a 50-minute. Get him a 90-minute, 80, 90-minute, which, by the way, I hate. I don't like it. I hate a 50-minute massage. I hate a 50 and This is a really uh, this is a horrible thing to complain about. But I do think that all massage, they should be 60 minutes or longer. 50-minute is such a fucking tease. It ends too early. And it should be the whole hour. I'm sorry to say. It should be 60 minutes or bust, not 50. And not 80 either. 80, go 90. It should be 90 minutes. I hate some of these places, they do the 50 minute and you get to that 50 minute mark and you're like, I just need 10 more minutes. Like you just, <laughs> you're just thinking that, oh, I could use a massage. Me and I, let's call it, I need better call up Chad. Chad, let's go. Let's go to the spa. You and me, I'm going to Salt Lake or wait, he's in Palm Springs. So we're going to, is there a good spa in Palm Springs? Got to figure it out. Uh, anyway, I hope he got some relaxation. Then everybody goes to the Sprinter van. This is where Heather's drunk. Meredith, uh, Monica pets Meredith. Pets her hair because Meredith's crying into Monica's arms. And like, what's happening here? I don't understand. Meredith's like, I can't go there anymore. It's ugly. And I don't really understand exactly what's happening with Meredith, but I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, Whitney says, 
oh, oh, this was interesting. So Whitney and Meredith get into a big thing because uh, Meredith says, I'm dealing with a lot right now. There's a lot going on. And Whitney's like, well, you always say there's a lot going on. She's like, that's a convenient thing. And I did sort of agree with Whitney. I feel like Meredith does that. And it's very smart, actually, housewifery. Because anytime Meredith is confronted, she's like, I'm going through a lot or I have this big thing going on. And that's not to say she doesn't have these big things going on, but it is true that all these women in the cast, I mean, this is a loony group of women. They all have some stuff going on. They all have some crazy shit. One of them's been fucking the brother-in-law for 18 months. I my brother-in-law for 18 months. So they all have pretty intense situations going on. And so you can't really use that excuse because if that's the case, then anytime Monica's confronted about something, which might happen in the future. Maybe she'll just say, I fucked my brother-in-law for 18 months. So we can't all just use excuses. So I was on Whitney's side with this. I think Meredith's got to watch that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Whitney says, we're all dealing with a lot. She says, we're all dealing with a lot. <laughs> I love this show. <sighs> okay, cheers to that. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Um, okay, and then everybody leaves this thing. Oh, we do have that whole business about Mary Cosby saying to Whitney Wildrose, she's like, you need to grow up. You need to grow up. Own who you are. She's like, who is Whitney? She's like, don't talk about our past. And then uh, Mary says, I got told about you. You called me pornography. You told the whole group you want to take me down. And then this is when Mary has got to get the um, assist from Heather Gay, who's either puking and or pissing herself from all the espresso martinis. And Mary asks her, she's like, what did Whitney call me? And that's when Heather all of a sudden sobers up. I was like, what's happening with Heather, too? Because she was so fucking drunk, but suddenly she remembered that Whitney Wild Rose called Mary Cosby a predator. Like, how did that happen? I hate to make accusations, but I do believe a producer was just out of frame and shot her with a steroid in that moment to wake her up. Said, Heather, get up! And then shot her with some hydrocortisone. Gotta do what you gotta do. Get the shot. And they had to get the shot in Heather Gay so they could get the shot of her just propping that head up in the moment and saying, predator. They just needed that one word. Producer's like, okay, let's get Heather Gay. Let's shoot up Heather Gay. Clear. How did, and where did she call her a predator? Was it on a press? Was it on a reunion? I don't remember. All these things come in my head and then they fly out of the head. Just like Mary Cosby's bird. <laughs> flying right out of my noggin like Mary Cosby's uh, African gray bird. That's what's happening here. But anyway, uh, Heather sobers up and she's like, she called you a predator. And Heather, who is so drunk and puking on the bus, uh, says that. And then um, that's how it ends, essentially. They all get out of the Sprinter van back at the motel. Heather pukes the driver. Poor driver. I hope that that driver needs to go. She needs to go to the spa day with Chad. Because now imagine one of the housewives just uh, dirtying up your whole Sprinter van. I mean, these women, these women just doing too much in the Sprinter van. I hope they clean that up. I hope someone, someone clean that up, That not that person who was driving that car. Because you know that woman who's the driver, she's pissed. Because she's like, what's going on? I'm not going to clean up Heather Gay's, uh, her throw up, her puke. I mean, she don't want to do that. Nobody wants to do that. Then we have this shot. It ends with the shot of Heather Gay and the liquid coming out. And then it ends next time on the show. They do some drag queen makeup and Lisa cries about it. I'm very excited about that. We have Whitney versus Mary. Meredith yelling at Whitney in drag queen makeup, you guys. This season. Woo! We got ourselves a season. We got ourselves a season. All it really took, I think, the key ingredient missing. Not only Jen Shaw is uh, now uh, locked away. 
But I think the key ingredient that was missing was not only taking the air out of the room when it comes to Jen Shah, like I think she was just, or what's the phrase? She was taking too much air up in the room. So I think it was good that we got rid of her, but then we also needed the chaos agent of Mary Cosby back because just her just bebopping around these women is just perfect. It's perfect. And I forgot how much I miss Mary Cosby. And now I'm remembering it all too well. I remember it all too well. Little girl. Little girl. Shall we talk about the Real Houses of Orange County? Ah, oh, wow. Now, I hate to start off this portion of the recap by piling on to Shein Storms for Door because she's just gone through this humiliating public thing that's all over the tabloids, it's all over the internet about the DUI situation and how she was driving. And I already said that she shouldn't have been driving with the dog. It shouldn't have happened. It's really not an okay thing to do. Uh, but I don't want to pile on this woman because she's probably going through a lot. She's maybe in counseling or something right now. And so she's going through, she's having a tough week. So I don't want to pile on to her. However, I think we have to because it was revealed in this episode that she did not brush her teeth for five fucking days. They've been on this cast trip and we're learning this episode that Shannon has not been brushing her teeth. She's not been brushing her chompers. What is happening? And at what point does producers need to step in here and just have her brush them chompers? Nobody's got a smell of dragon breath. Like, it's too much. Imagine how hot Shannon Storms Bedore's breath is by day five of not brushing her chompers. Imagine how hot it is. I mean, it's like the temperature of the sun, I would imagine, because I, and I'm a very, I'm really intense about my mouth oral hygiene. Like, I cannot go to bed without brushing my teeth. I do not start the day until I wake my teeth up. When I was a kid, my dad used to say, you got to wake up your teeth. He would, I remember when I was a very little kid learning how to brush your teeth, you know, the parents got to do it with you. He'd always say, got to wake up your teeth, and he would do a song or whatever. And so you got to remember to brush your teeth. I can't even start my day. And the fact that Shannon has been going five days, we also saw her crawling on the floor. And she, at one point in the episode, had the maxi pad hanging out. And I knew she's got a lot going on and certainly has done pretty embarrassing things this week in the press. However, what's more embarrassing, I actually think this might have been worse than driving around and pretending you didn't clip the house with your car. I mean, running in that house, I actually think it's worse that she didn't brush her teeth for five days straight because it's like that's a fact in everything. We got enough pollution problems in the world. I hate to lecture everybody about global warming, but it's happening and it's probably uh, being sped up by Shan Storms Bedore not brushing her teeth for five days straight because imagine the toxic pollution that's coming out of that yapper. I mean, it's like we have enough environmental issues, Shannon that we don't need you with that hot-ass dragon breath running around town. And I live in California. I I guess they were in Mexico at this time, but if it's happened on vacation, it's certainly happened in a regular, everyday life. So you need to put a toothbrush up to those chompers. I mean, just come on. Come on. Or at least I I hope she was using mouthwash or something. But I just imagine how hot that was. One moment where the gals all went to the restaurant, and they were complaining. They were like, oh, it's really hot at this table. You know, that Rainforest Cafe they made them eat at. And so they were like, oh, it's so hot here. Like, they, we, they wanted to go inside, indoors, because it was too hot. And I was like, I bet you the temperature wasn't even that hot. They were just smelling Shannon's dragon breath, and they didn't proper circulation. That's why we need, I mean, I know during COVID times, there were all, all these public places were doing the air filters and shit. And we need those air filters now, not just for COVID. We also need it for Shannon Storm's breath, because five fucking days of not brushing your teeth, I'm sorry, is too long. It's too long. What are you doing, Shannon? And then to admit it on camera, that was dark. That was dark. That was, again, more dark-sided than the 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 car ride. Because it's like your breath for five days. The car situation, I think, 
again, totally inappropriate. But it's kind of like happens quick, I would imagine. You leave the bar, you make one quick wrong move, and then you're suddenly uh, in someone's kitchen with your car. So I think that could happen quickly. But five days of not brushing your teeth, like that's taking a lot of pre-planning. And at a certain point, you're aware of the fact that you're not brushing your teeth and all your friends are saying, Shannon, your breath stinks like like hell. And so you got to brush the chomps, get some mouthwash or something. Let's get some Listerine in here, some scope. I don't know. I mean, it's five fucking days of it. It's crazy. So I'm sorry to focus on that and pile on to this woman. I hope she gets the help that she needs. And I hope she also gets a toothbrush. Just head on over to CBS before you, I don't know if she's in counseling or what, but she better take a stop at the Rite Aid before she heads in there. Drop her off at Walgreens before the counseling center because we need her to get a toothbrush and some toothpaste. Five days. I can't have her going all that long without brushing the chompers. Brushing the chompers. Okay, so then the gals, half of them do go to look at turtles this episode. It was making me laugh because Hip and Casita were talking about the turtles being vegetarian. And I don't, I don't know why it's making me laugh. Shannon said she couldn't touch the turtles because of the bacteria. And I'm like, well, actually, the turtles shouldn't be touching you because of all that bacteria that's floating out of your mouth. And they can even, the turtles are going to sprint away from her. You know, you tur- a tortoise in the hair. I could just imagine a tortoise having to smell Shannon's breath. And then you just know they're going to scurry on out of that beach quicker than hell. Get out of there like a bat out of hell. Because there's no way that a turtle wants to smell someone's five-day-old breath. You know, animals, they they don't brush their teeth, but they aren't supposed to. They're used to it. So their breath is going to be bad. But it's a normal, natural thing. Their bodies have time to adjust. But Shannon not brushing for five days. I'm sorry to focus. How many minutes did I spend on Shannon's breath? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it's just unacceptable. Unacceptable. Then some of the gals go parasailing. Vicky's parasailing. And she does reveal this a bit of information. Now, I love having Vicky back. I am a Vicky fan at this point. I do want her back. I like her in this capacity, but I'm maybe I'm just loving Orange County so much this season that I'm like, don't change anything. But uh, Vicky reveals a very interesting story about someone in Puerto Vallarta that she shares with the group. She says, there was a woman parasailing, and she flew to Puerto Vallarta and then landed on a building or a tree, and they couldn't get her down. Now, Vicky tells this story as they're heading to parasail, and I have so many questions about this woman who was parasail. We need to get her mic'd up because I need to know who this woman... It sounded to me... And maybe I missed something. Again, always forget things, and I screw up names all the time. And you know, people get mad at me. Danny, you screwed up the name, or you mix the name up, or something. I get it. I, my mother does that too. My mom can't even tell me my name. She calls me my brother's name, my nephew's name. The only time, let me tell you, not to take us on a little detour here, but the only time my mother ever gets a name right is when she's passing out a cake at a party. I don't know if anyone's mom is like that, or if any out there, you ladies are like this. But when we're having a family, it could be a birthday party or it could be just some party where there's a cake. My mom somehow is always the one passing out the cake. It doesn't matter if there's three people at this party or if there's 300 people. My mom will suddenly know everyone's name. But during the weekdays or something, she'll call me on the phone. She'll call me Brian. She'll say, Brian. And I'm like, Mom, it's not. She said, oh, sorry, Dan. Sorry, Danster. Um, but so she don't even remember my name throughout the week. But then we're at a party. She's cutting out cake. And she's somehow able to slice up that cake in the perfect scientific equation, math equation, so that everyone has an equal slice. But then she remembers everyone's goddamn name at the party. So she's yelling uh, She's yelling at, like she's got a bullhorn. She's like, Diane, you want a piece of cake? And I'm like, how, who even, how does she even know this person's name? Like, Diane, Gary, who wants cake? She's just asking everybody, shouting it. So everyone, the neighbors can hear, and she knows everybody's name. Diane, what do you want? Do you want ice cream with your cake, Diane? 
Diane, jo, Joe, Gary, Bright, Matt, you want cake? You want a slice of cake? I'm going to cut you a slice of cake. And she just knows that. <laughs> Diane, I'm cutting you cake. Debbie, Deb, Deb, you want cake? Brenda, you want a slice? Brenda, hey, Brenda, haven't seen you in a while. Brenda, I'm cutting you a slice of cake. Sherry, Sherry, is that you? I'm cutting you a slice of cake. I'm getting it. You want a slice? You want ice cream with it? Share, share. I'm cutting you a slice of cake. And she just said everyone's fucking name. Dan, I got your cake ready. Come get your cake. Everybody, she knows everybody's name at the party when they're just cutting out cake. But any other time, my mom don't know nobody's name. Diane. <laughs> I always picture my mom. I just yelling for Diane, my aunt. Diane, you want cake? Joanne, Darlene, you guys want some cake? Okay, so um, Vicky, speaking of Vicky, she also, um, she was revealing a lot of information. She revealed again that she regrets leaving Don. We've heard her say that a million times. She shouldn't have left Don. What a mistake. She left him for the wrong guy, blah, blah, blah. But then she also uh, tells a story, a tale. I know we talked about massage parlors earlier on the show, but Vicky tells a tale this episode about her happy endings. And I believe she did tell us one other time. Somewhere I remember hearing about Vicky's happy endings. It's sat with me. Uh, in the back of my head, it's just that's one of the things that haven't left my head. Somehow, that's one of the things I hold on to. And one of the things I hold on to is the memory of Vicky talking about her happy endings. And here in this episode, she talks about it a couple times. She said, she even explained how to do it. She's like, you just put your your legs up in butterfly position or something. She was like, that's how it happens. And then she kept saying in the, even in her confessional, she's like, yeah, I liked it. Good for, and I thought, good for her. Good for Vicky. Yeah, Vicky. She's like, who doesn't love an orgasm? And so I like this version of Vicky. And even in the version of Vicky later in the episode, when everybody was being mean to Heather DeBrow, Vicky went off and left. She's like, I'm too grown for this. She's like, I don't like fighting. And then the editors show like a montage of her fighting with people. And she was just, <laughs> oh, I love Vicky. I love when Vicky fights too. When she does that screeching voice, there was a point in time before she left the show the first time where it really felt like I was so done with the screeching. Remember when she was like shouting, she's like, I was calmed. But then this episode when she was screeching on the parasail and she's like, ah, I really did think I love her screeching. I don't know. I felt, it felt like home. It felt like home. And yeah, maybe she's a monster. So, so be it. And maybe that's what these shows need, quite frankly, is monsters. And one of the things that I think gets lost in the conversation about casting on these shows, and we talk about how kind of the bad housewives people who might not be morally perfect are usually the more interesting ones. And I do think it's important to remember that when we're watching these shows, these are not supposed to be beacons of light that we should model our own lives after. These uh, traditionally have been people we looked at as how not to live our lives, right? So that's so important, I think, as we go forward into the new eras of Housewives, is that, yeah, some of these people are monsters, but we as an audience should have the critical thinking skills to be watching these shows and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a monster. I shouldn't want to act like that, right? Like, we should be taking it in, breathing it in, laughing at it, and realizing, oh, that's, I'm glad I don't act like that, or people shouldn't act like that. Of course, there's a line, and there's, uh, there are circumstances where it's like somebody, if they're really an awful human being, of course, I do believe that maybe they shouldn't be given the platform of television, but when it comes to just people who are like sort of monsters, it's like that's we should be looking at them and like, yeah, they are monsters and they're fun to watch and we should know better than to act like them. Again, there is a line. But when it comes to Vicky, I don't know. I just, yeah, she, I don't know. Her screeching was really just 
making me laugh. She also threw up too. Um, and then let's see, the nighttime restaurant was so funny to me because again, they brought him to a rainforest cafe. Heather Dubrow has already kind of lost it because she is just feeling like everybody's giving it to her. She had a hot mic moment where she was, I guess, calling Terry. She's like, I hate everyone. And all these people, I don't like them. Um, but she's the target this season. Everybody's going after her. Tamara keeps throwing her under the bus and I'm feeling bad for Heather Dubrow, actually. I did. I did. I do think she was a monster bragging about the $55 million house sale. But it's like, of course, these women aren't happy for you and your $55 million. It's like, I don't know. Is it that bad that the women aren't so over the moon about this woman selling a house for $55 million when she wasn't even trying to sell it? Uh, and come on, I don't really think it's that bad. Because Gina is looking around herself and all the gals, Jen, Casita, it's not like they're living in these big mans. And so the fact that they got a cast member who, what they're supposed to celebrate, it's like Gina is, you know, she's barely, she's shopping for jorts. She's getting the, she's probably not even shopping for jorts. She's probably taking the jeans and cutting them herself to make her own jorts or jean shorts. And so I don't know that she's really going to be over the moon about her friend Heather Dubrow. She's trying, but it's human nature uh, for her to be looking around and thinking like, I'm leaving my kids, my, my denim cutoffs uh, for uh, if something happens to me. And meanwhile, this woman just wants me to celebrate her $55 million sale. She's hanging on by a thread. These other women are hanging on by threads, th- by threads, loose threads. Even I, let's look at hip hip is, it seems very successful in her own right. She's got a gorgeous house, great marriage. I'm loving Shane this season. I'm loving hip this season too, by the way, just loving her. But it's not like she's sitting in a $40 million house even. And so what she's going to look around and she just wants to go to be celebrating. I don't know. But they are being mean to Heather DeBro. I am on the side of they're being mean to her. And maybe that's on me that I should, I don't know, maybe it's on me. I should be celebrating Heather DeBro's $55 million sale. Uh, anyway, at the restaurant, they all go to, it's, it's really funny. It's really funny. Um, it's also was funny to me when they went to the shaman. Or Jen at one point said showman. I know she meant shaman, but she said showman. And I was just expecting like Hugh, Hugh Jackman to show up and start singing the songs from The Greatest Showman. What was that song? Um, this is me. I still haven't seen the second half of that movie. I saw the first half on a plane and I loved it, but never saw the rest. Um, and I don't plan to. Okay, Shannon, um, this is when, did we talk about her maxi pad hanging out of the dress? I think we did. Yeah. And I just... Like Shannon's going through it. When I really think about it, she's about to come out with a colonoscopy kit with Dr. Moon. She's pretending she didn't run into a house with the car. She is not brushing her teeth for five days. Like she's going through it. So maybe we need to have more grace for Shannon Storms the door because it's that's a lot. I mean, she is she's speaking of hanging on by a thread. She's like hanging on by some dental floss because that woman not brushing the chompers for five days and then I mean, maxi pad hanging on the thing. I mean, I am shocked. I am shocked. Tamara had to call the front desk. She's like, can you bring my friend for her dragon breath? Finally. And Tamara snapped. She's like, I can't do this anymore. She probably told production. She's like, I'm, I'm quitting this show. <laughs> I'm quitting until someone cleans Shannon's mouth. Um, anyway, the last day... Let's see. Oh, even Tamara, uh, speaking of uh, Shannon's breath, they were getting on the Sprinter van and Tamara had said like in regards to the air conditioning, she's like, oh, that feels like heaven. But I think she just meant like, it feels like heaven because she got out of the way of Shannon's breath. Like that's what I was kind of thinking. On the Sprinter van too, Heather Dubrow followed Hip on Instagram. So she finally followed her. 
but apparently she unfollowed everyone she was fired. I was too focused on Shannon's hat. Um, I do think they keep attacking Heather because they just hate her personality. And so I don't know that it's so coordinated. Like normally in the housewives, I think they maybe get together and coordinate these attacks or take down each other. Or they, and it never works, by the way. Anytime the whole cast unites against one person, it always makes the audience side with that one person because no one wants to see a gang up. And so ordinarily, I think everyone gets together and decides it's going into the season. So maybe Tamara gathered the gals and was like, oh, we're going to go after Heather Dubrow. But ultimately, what I think is interesting on The Real House of Orange County is that they just do not like her personality. So I don't think it was a coordinated effort. I think it was just all of them being like, I fucking hate that person's personality. That's what I think. Um, Okay, so then uh, they do the shot. We talked about the shaman. Shannon told the shaman she wants to open her heart with her friends. But then meanwhile, I just found out uh, I think Tamara said on her podcast with uh, All in Mellencamp, she said something along the lines of like Shannon didn't tell her about there. She talked to Shannon after the DUI situation and Shannon didn't mention anything. And so it's like, well, if you want to open heart with your friends, then maybe you should start telling them stuff. Are you guys really friends? I don't know. I don't know. Taylor was sticking up for Heather, which I thought was nice. Taylor was feeling bad for her. And Heather does hate Taylor. And I think Taylor hates Heather, but they did agree to film the scene with each other because I think... Heather hates everybody else more than she hates Taylor. And Taylor, uh, she wants to get on screen. She's a friend of, she's like, I got to get some camera time. So she, she tells Heather, she's like, well, you just have a lot of money. Everyone else feels inferior. And Taylor seems sweet. And that doesn't Taylor's, she might be a little messy in the press sometimes. Remember there was that video of Taylor Armstrong was like so wasted. Did you guys see this? It was a paparazzi video of her outside of her restaurant. And she's like, the reunion's coming up. She sounded like Meredith Marks. She was just slurring the words. One point she holds an orange in her hand, but she don't have an orange. So she's just holding out her hand. She's like, I'm wearing orange and I'm holding an orange. Meanwhile, she's like wearing all red and she wasn't holding anything. She was doing like space work. <laughs> she was miming an orange. So she's telling the paparazzi and the paparazzi are thinking like, what the fuck is going on with this woman? But she was, she watched the pop, go look for that video. She's literally wearing a red jumpsuit and she's like, I'm in all, this is orange baby. And it's giving like Audrina Patridge's mom. There was like a paparazzi video of Audrina from the Hills. A long time ago, her mom did a paparazzi video and it's one of the funniest things ever. But that was what Taylor Armstrong was giving outside of this restaurant. So anyway, Taylor, it might be a little messy, but she seems so sweet. Doesn't she seem sweet? Tamara, speaking of sweet, also hugs Jen and they sort of uh, apologize to each other. Jen believes it, which I, I know I was feeling bad for Jen though. Cause again, enough, 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 enough. But then the dinner real highlight of this episode was the dinner in the treehouse, the rainforest cafe, which I don't even believe still exists anymore. I think there might be one or two of those places and I'm not sure they should exist because who wants to be eating their chicken club while some birds are chirping? Cause you know, you go to the rain, remember the rainforest cafe? They just play like those fucking sound effects. So you just hear rain and like a, a Mary Cosby's African gray bird just chirping in the background. And it's like to give you the ambiance of a rainforest cafe. Like who wants to do that while they're eating their nachos? Feel like some bird's just going to swoop in and take it. I mean, it's crazy. Anyway, so they don't exist. And this wasn't an actual, I want to uh, just be clear. This wasn't an actual rainforest cafe, but it was giving that energy. It was rainforest cafe adjacent. Um, Hip is wearing a crown at dinner. They didn't explain why. She was just wearing a crown. They do flash back to that ropes course, which was one of the funniest things. And then Shannon was too scared to go to the table. She was just crawling on the floor. Spanx was out. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. Then uh, Tamara brings up Heather in Montana talking about Shannon. And Heather's already had enough. 
She's already had enough, but now uh, Tamara throws her under the bus. So Heather throws Tamara under the bus about BravoCon business because that was, which was a confusing thing. But Heather called apparently Noella and Jen, the other Jen, not the new Jen, the other Jen who was dating the guy Ryan. Remember he took out a vowel from his name? His name was like Ryan, but then he changed it to Ryan. Remember him? (laughs) What a fucking nuts thing. Anyway, so that's who Heather says she was referring to. She's like, I said it was a bunch of losers and ultimately, Heather was probably lying at the table. She probably did call everyone losers. But she says in the moment that it was just Noella and Jen. And the producers did have to flash a picture of Noella and Jen on the screen because she, they knew. They knew instinctively the audience would be like, who the fuck is she talking about? So they had to show a picture. And I think even with the pictures on the screen, most of the viewing audience was like, who the fuck is that? Who the fuck is that? Um, but then uh, they're fighting. Heather's mad. And Vicky leaves. She apologizes to the servers for everyone fighting. She's like, I don't like being around fighting. It's not who I am. And that's when they show the footage of her fighting with everyone. <laughs> and then Casita's offended uh, at Heather because Casita thought her and Heather were friends. And when Vicky did storm out of the dinner table, she cried and defended Heather. And I actually thought this was a very smart move. This was smart housewifery because Vicky knows that she's sort of on her own island alone because she's a friend of, I don't even know if she was an official friend of, but she's made it on her cast trip. And she's seeing some uh, someone to buddy up to. She's seeing an opening. And she's been doing this long enough to know that Heather didn't have nobody else to talk to because everybody hates Heather. So I don't know that Vicky actually liked Heather, but she saw an opening and she took it. And that's why she's been doing this for so long. That's why she's a star in this network because she saw that there was an opening. She's like, that's how I'm going to get on camera. And then about four hours later, we see all the Trace Amigas dancing. We see, I, I wrote in my notes, Taylor quoted Willy Wonka. I'm not sure what that's about. I have no idea what I what that was about. But apparently, Taylor Armstrong quoted Willy Wonka. <laughs> I fucking love these shows. I love them. Wasn't me. Uh, then Jen is wearing a Life is Awesome shirt, and she talks about boundaries. And I want to ask uh, the viewing audience, what are her boundaries with word art? Because I've seen it on the coffee mugs and now I'm seeing it on the shirts. Jen just wearing a life is awesome shirt and trying to tell somebody else about boundaries. Where's the mirror here, Jen? Because if you're talking about boundaries, I'm going to need you to have some boundaries when you go into a TJ Maxx. Oh my God, you guys see the Bethany TJ Maxx thing? Oh, you guys. (laughs) I know there's so much going on. We don't have time to talk about everything. This is already over an hour podcast and me talking alone, but there's too many things going on. And Bethany, get get in some hot water with TJ Maxx because she tried to provide some used makeup to some people working the counter at the Maxx. And the poor gal working the counter was like, I can't accept this. Like, stop trying to give me your used makeup. And then Bethany is now on social media. And every time I log on TikTok, I don't even follow her, but my whole For You page is just like Bethany being like, now I'm canceled and like yelling at the screen. (laughs) Like she gets so happy when she thinks people are canceling her or something. And so I don't even know exactly, but TJ Maxx, I think, did have to come out with a statement being like, well, you can't just come in our stores. You know what I'm thinking? I've worked retail before. I don't, you do not go into work retail and want everybody posting uh, to their TikTok while you're working retail. I felt so bad for this person who was working behind the counter at the Max uh, because no one wants to be, we have to stop doing this, filming people in public without consent because I do not think this, Bethany's just in public with that phone on her thing and she's just filming herself everywhere. And it's like this woman is just going into her shift at the Max and then has got to be worried about being blasted out to a million followers and she couldn't even accept the goods because it's not store policy and who wants used makeup? 
because Bethany explained in one of the videos, like, oh, it wasn't, it was like barely opened or it wasn't actually used. I just looked at the coloring of the makeup or something and then put it in bags. But how did the person working at the Max know that? How are they supposed to know that? If some woman, a uh, deranged woman comes up to you with her cell phone pointing at your face and it's like, I got some used makeup for you. And like, wouldn't you just assume, I would assume it's like really used makeup. Well, I wouldn't want that. I'd be like, I don't want your used ass makeup from uh, Bethany. I mean, come on. And so she got in some hot water and then now she just, every video I see on there is like her just looking at the screen be like, you're all canceling me now. Ah! <laughs> Like uh, what is happening on that TikTok? First she's, uh, first she's eating a crab oil in a hotel room with the pointed camera at her, and now she's filming all the employees at the Max. And I, as a Maxinista, I will not stand for it. Anyway, I won't also stand for Jen wearing the Life Is Awesome shirt. Have some boundaries. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. The episode ends with Tamara saying she's reevaluating her friendship with Heather. Heather says she has proof of Tamara talking shit about Gina. And then it ends with, uh, I, it ends with Vicky, I guess, sort of ping on Heather. That was like the last shot of the episode was like Vicky. I think she was hugging maybe the other Trace Amigas and they're like, Oh, it's wet. And then the episode just ends. And I'm like, are they implying that Vicky just peed on them? Maybe. Maybe so. That's why we love this show. Next week on the show, someone poops on camera. Heather and Tamara have a showdown, and they're dressed like circus people. Cannot wait. <laughs> love this fucking show. Love these. Love this cast. Please do not change the cast next season. Please, I beg you, bravo. Please just keep it. Uh, promote Vicky if you got to. But let's keep the cast as is. I'm sorry to say that. I'm sorry to say that. But uh, And same with Salt Lake City. We got a good cast over there in Salt Lake. Let's not change a, th- a damn thing change a damn thing. Okay, that's the end of the episode. Did we talk about everything? We mentioned Bethany and the Maxinista shit, but are you watching The Real House in New York? I know we're not covering it officially on this podcast, but I think it's starting, to me at least, it's starting to it's starting to pick up a little bit, and I am enjoying the dynamics more than I had been. Um, so if you're not watching, it might be a time to binge. It might be a time to catch up because, I don't know, I feel like I'm enjoying, the, I'm refreshed a little bit. I, I'm feeling like they're starting to kind of maybe do something at least. Now, I'm not of the opinion that they have been doing stuff, because I would argue that those first eight or nine episodes have been really bland. And I do think everybody's lying when they say they've been good. But anyway, I think it's getting good now. So that's my opinion. And it might be a wrong opinion. Who knows? 
who knows? You might disagree. I get it. Love you all so much for listening. Um, thank you. I don't know if I have anything else to say, but it's been a long one. And um, stay safe and stay calm. Find your happy place and find your peace. And try to film people in public. Like At least ask somebody or try to be in a place where it might be expected. And when you're at a store or something, it's fine to sh- video maybe like the goods or the wares. And sometimes somebody might be walking in the background. I get that. But don't just like run up to an employee at the max and be like, here's some used makeup. Like that's just not, maybe just rethink that and just figure out another method of creating content. Not that I'm an expert, but I do think that it's completely Looney Tunes to just walk up to someone in uh, TJ Maxx and offer them your used makeup. Anyway, love you all so much for listening. Stay safe. Bye-bye.